This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dellinger, and I'm playing with food. The invasion of Ukraine by Russia is a tragic atrocity, which has most people horrified as they listen to the news day in and day out. Support for Ukraine has taken many forms, monetary donations, offers of welcoming refugees, displaying the Ukrainian flag on cars and homes and on social media. My social media feed has featured Ukrainian arts and culture, and now my radio segment is featuring Ukrainian food. Annie Capelli is Ukrainian and lives here on the Central Coast. Together, we make Ukrainian borscht as she tries to describe what's happening a half a world away. Here's how it went. My name is Annie Doric Capelli. I am a Ukrainian woman who was raised in a Ukrainian home with lots of Ukrainian traditions and a large, in fact, huge part of that is cooking. All of the meals have uh, significance to the culture as well as religious connotations for certain times of the year when dishes are prepared. Were you born in the Ukraine? I was born in Canada and much of my family was born in Ukraine. My show is called Playing with Food. What food are we playing with today? Well, we are going to be making a Ukrainian borscht that has been adapted to my mother's recipe and her mother's recipe. So there's some variations to it that make it extra special for us. It's a very common food to make in the spring and in the summer when you're getting all these fresh vegetables. And then that would be a time that you would make actually a huge quantity of it for canning so that you had it to eat through the winter. But it's also very much a staple in Ukrainian homes. The Ukrainian borscht has meat in it where some of the other borscht do not. Meat in Ukrainian dishes was more of a scarcity, and I'm not sure actually if that's the right word, but it was used sparingly. Well, I bought all the groceries according to your list. So let's see what we have here. There's the bacon and the lima beans, beans and the peas, pork oh. and the sour cream. And then all of the other ingredients are here. Oh, fantastic. Okay, yep, sour cream and the dill. And I wasn't sure if you wanted green cabbage or red cabbage, because when I make borscht, I use red onions, red beets, red cabbage, red everything. Okay. So do you use red cabbage or do you use green cabbage? We use the green cabbage, but the thing that I love about borscht is that you can do variations. Your dominant flavor and main ingredients are the beets. You can omit some vegetables, you can add some others. You know, there's times when my mom would be cooking and she's like, oh, I don't have this ingredient or that ingredient. And it's like, it was okay. When we're cooking it, we're not necessarily following the recipe. I mean, we'll look at it for, let's say, our grocery list, like, oh yeah, remember to get this and that. But when you're sitting down to cook it, you know, you're not using a measuring cup. You know, and a lot of it is to taste and some of it is from memory so, <laughs> and, so how you're feeling that day. and how I'm feeling that day right like I want more celery so, today <laughs> this is such a pretty cabbage that I think we should use some of it in here it's a beautiful color you've brought it here so I think that we need to add it <laughs> I don't think it should be left alone 
tell us what to chop all right and we'll get started like is there something that needs to fry first do we need to do the bacon first so what i want to do first is wash everything up give everything a good nice little rinse and then we'll go ahead and start just braising the pork in a pan i should get myself a second frying pan there okay so, so let's start washing everything up yeah let's start washing everything up all right so we're gonna go ahead there's a turnip there's beets Carrots, potatoes, cabbage. Difficult things are happening in Ukraine, like horrible, horrible things are happening in Ukraine. And I think that we all agree that this is a petty move by a crazy leader who is killing people, innocent people. It's crazy. So from your family and from your perspective, what's going on? You know, he's a narcissistic psychopath dictator who has brainwashed 70% of his country into believing that Ukrainians are neo-Nazis, which I assure you they are absolutely 100% not. They have a Ukrainian Jewish man as the president of their country. He has convinced them that Ukrainians are blowing up their own cities and demolishing their own hospitals and schools, theaters, farms apartment housing, and that is absolutely not happening. How anybody can believe that, I can't even fathom how they couldn't question that. It looks an awful lot like Putin is trying to gain back the Soviet Union. I don't believe he's going to stop with Ukraine. He's edging towards Poland from people I've spoken with that people in Poland are frightened. They're frightened about what's coming next and how they're going to stop Putin. And he is not an easy person to find. This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio, and I'm Father Ian playing with food on issues and ideas. Annie Capelli is a Canadian-born Ukrainian living on the Central Coast. She is teaching me to make Ukrainian borscht while we discuss what is going on in the country where she has family and friends who are under siege. With such a difficult topic just laid out on the table, after stating the basic facts about the invasion of Ukraine, as horrific as they are, we quickly pivoted back to chopping vegetables. That took quite a while, and we eventually got to the cooking stage. So what do we got here? This is cubed pork that I am going to saute in some garlic and just salt and pepper. As that cooks down, it releases a lot of the juices. Then when it has cooked down, we will add that to the borscht. What types of things are you hearing from your friends and family in the Ukraine? A lot of disarray. So the lines of communication are not necessarily clear. Certain areas don't have power. There's no electricity, running water, food. So you can't charge a cell phone. So you can't call somebody and communicate that there's a problem. When some of those people, like from the larger cities like Kiev or Lviv, have fled to the borders of Hungary and Poland. When they're there and, and finally arrived, it's difficult for them. There are some language barriers. The language isn't, you know, it's a different country, different language. So there's some difficulty initially, even though these people are extremely welcoming and open-armed to receive them and their pets and everybody, but it's still not necessarily easy or simple to just 
get into a home where they can close the door and lay down and weep and hold their children. There's crowded, very, very crowded conditions for a lot of these people going into these homes even though these places are sort of a way station for them to move on to, let's say, the UK or someplace where there's a lot more housing and there's more organization as far as registries for homes and people that would be accepting Ukrainian families so that there's a good fit thinking long term. So they're planning ahead. You're seeing things like Ukrainian people are posting, hey, I'm a, I'm a dentist, you know, or I'm a pediatrician, or I'm a teacher, or, or I'm you know, a carpenter and I want to be able to work as soon as I get there. So then those people in the UK are able to say, hey, we have a fantastic hospital down the street. There's a school for your kids. There's more time to sort of exhale and breathe in what they have to offer. But the closer you get to that border and to where the bombing and the shelling is happening, there's so much more chaos. It's nothing short of miraculous what the people in the border countries, in particular Poland, have been doing for the Ukrainian people. It is mind-blowing. I don't want to make comparisons to our culture here, but I do wonder, God forbid, something like that happened to us, how well would we receive our Canadian neighbors or, you know, to the south of Mexico if something like that were happening and we had to take them in into our own homes. Well, it is happening in Latin, in Central America. That's why they're coming to our border. And look at what we've done to them. We've put their children in cages. Yeah, horrifying. So we That's have horrifying. We have proven how hospitable we would be to refugees already, yeah. particularly refugees who don't look like us. So right. I'm happy that you mentioned that these people are skilled, educated people, some of them. I think we have a tendency to associate refugees, all refugees, as being unskilled poor people who are benefit scroungers. And that's what we're doing to our people, to the people on the southern border. And that's not the case for the people of the Ukraine. It's not the case for the people of the Sudan. And it's not the case for all of the people coming from Latin America. Some right. of them are skilled. And whether or not they're skilled or not, don't they deserve to be treated like human beings? Absolutely. Absolutely. They deserve to be respected and treated with the same dignity and humanity that, that we demand. We've got the tomatoes here and some of the onions. So you have both stewed tomatoes and fresh tomatoes. Correct. To add a little extra for flavor as well. These are stewed tomatoes. So the stewed tomatoes for flavor and the yeah. fresh tomatoes for texture? Yes. And you've also got the tomato juice from the can that we add. But what we do here is we've got a little bit of the oil or the grease from the bacon. We're going to basically kind of fry the tomatoes in it a little bit so they get a little bit browned. You mash them down like this even a potato masher on top of it so that you're really pressing it into the pan so it sears it. And that brings out a really nice flavor. A little bit of onions is okay. We'll be adding more later, but I kind of wanted to just get that flavor going. That's already got the pork and the bacon in there. And I have it on low so it's, it keeps cooking the pork, but you want those juices from the pork in there, but you want it you know, obviously cooked. I like to sear the pork and then cook it slowly before I add it to the borscht so that I get a lot of the juices in there. Add a little more water, you know, so that you can create some broth from it. But this is going good. I'm going to grab a masher and see what the vegetables So from this point on, it's a matter of sauteing the vegetables and adding them to the borscht once they've been sauteed. It brings out a little bit nicer flavor, kind of a roasted flavor in the vegetables and allows for all those flavors to really blend together nicely by kind of cooking them almost separately a little bit at first. Okay. 
Have you been to Ukraine? I have not been to Ukraine. I had always planned it as a trip for my son and I to go and visit family and, and tour all the, all the beautiful sites. And they have some fantastic architecture, and I like architecture in particular. I'm a horse lover, so there is a breed of Ukrainian warm blood that is in particular very interesting to me. And I would very much like to try riding one of those horses. <laughs> one day. My mom was back in 2014 and she was visiting a friend of ours who was conducting the Kiev Symphony Orchestra. And so she got to meet a lot of the students, people who were studying under the conductor Roger McMurrin in Lviv. Very, very talented, gifted musicians. Currently one of the symphony orchestra members, his wife and children have fled for Poland and he was requested to stay back into the army and, and fight. It's very incredible, but it's also very bittersweet because you don't know what the outcome's going to be. You don't know how he's going to be. And there is a person from every walk of life right now fighting for freedom in Ukraine and making, making a borscht, which is, you know, really like comfort food. And I can't comfort my people. I can't comfort them. I'm too far away. And it's hard to prepare something that I know any number of those people would be appreciative of right now. It feels like I'm not doing enough. And a lot of my Ukrainian friends feel that way too that are living here. You know, we're doing what we can, but it's, it's still not enough. I just wish I could do more. I wish I could do a lot more. This is Issues and Ideas on KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian, playing with food. Annie Capelli's deep desire to comfort the Ukrainian people and to do more is felt by many. Making Ukrainian borscht and telling the stories of the people she knows is helping the rest of us better understand that more needs to be done to help the Ukrainian people and to demand action. The conversation and the cooking continued. So where are we in the stages? Is everything in there now? Yeah, everything is in there except for I'm going to add the lemon juice towards the end. And sometimes people add lemon juice. Sometimes they add white vinegar. Sometimes I do a little of both and it gives it kind of a tang to it. That is really nice and it goes well with the, with the beets. You sent me the ingredient list and you sent me the recipe and you said serves four. This is a three gallon pot that is two thirds of the way full. So that's for four people? Well, if you have more than one bowl, yeah. <laughs> and you're hungry, really hungry. It's important to have some leftovers because you're going to want to eat this in a couple more days. It's best when served two to three days after you've made it because the flavors really come out and sort of blossom a little bit in those next two to three days. When you make it, you make it so that you have enough for a couple more days. You could eat this at breakfast. You could eat this at dinner time. People eat this even not heated up. They'll eat it cold. But a lot of people, you know, like us, we heat it up. Most people heat it up. It keeps well. I've canned it. I've frozen it. I think canning works better. If you keep it in the fridge, it can last quite a while in the fridge. We have a lot of it frozen at home. And you're gonna have more. And we're gonna have more. So here we are sitting down to this beautiful bowl of borscht. Thank you very much. Is there a Ukrainian blessing that you do for dinner? When we say a blessing, we also thank the animals. Animals are really important because 
they give us a lot of the food that, you know, that we eat, the pig for the pork. If we use chickens, the eggs or the cows or their milk that made the sour cream and the butter and the cream that went into here. And my family always thanked the animals in our prayers, as well as the people that prepared it and the land, because, you know, we grew up learning that we're stewards of the land. And so we look after it and it looks after us. We take care of it just like we take care of each other. Amen. So you serve it with a dollop of sour cream yes. and a sprinkle of dill. Yes, and then sometimes people add a little more cream if you want to thin it, or a little bit of vinegar, but just a little bit. And then sometimes a little more dill if you want a little more salt and pepper. There's salt and pepper. I take no offense if you add more. On your ingredients list, you said sliced bread, but I got baguette bread because in like the Christ- Western Christian tradition, we like to break bread together. Yay. So may I share some bread with you? Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Is there like a bon appetit or mazel tov or? In consideration for the times, I say slava Ukraini, which is glory to Ukraine. Sorry. There's nothing to be sorry for. I know it's difficult. Thank you for going to all this work just just for little me, and I'm not even Ukrainian. <laughs> You're absolutely worth it, Fire. <laughs> Would you like some wine? Please. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. I'm about ready to take a bite of this beautiful borscht. You said its temperature is really hot. Yes. I'm going to try to get a piece of everything, like pork, oh, nice. pea, lima bean, beets, Here we go, here we go. It's definitely delicious. Great flavor. Nice texture, but I can see how a couple of days would make a difference. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna try a little vinegar as well. And it has the lemon juice in it, right? Yes. As our meal and our conversation drew to a close, one big question still loomed. So I'm coming to the end of this big bowl of borscht, which is delicious Mm -hmm. and obviously made with love and care. What can we do? What can we do for your people? To not, to not forget about them. To go on, you know, go on with your life. People are born and people die. People have celebrations. We can still celebrate those things, the births and the achievements, but we need to remember that that pain and the suffering and the anguish is still occurring for these people. They're still in the throes of it. There's a lot to be resolved. Even if the war ended tomorrow, there's so many displaced people. Their homes are demolished. They've lost families. They're grieving. It is um, important for us to experience this and not to shut it out. For all of us to experience this and then literally do what we can if we if we can't afford to give to ukraine to help then be extra kind to each other go out of your way never miss an opportunity to be kind never miss an opportunity to go a little bit out of your comfort zone to help somebody and because you know they're obviously not the only people on the planet that need help right now but we can use them as an example of how much we treasure freedom and our families and even total strangers. 
voting counts and protests and all the political strife that this country has had recently. It's like, do everything you can that you have the power and the ability to. That's what I think. Thank you. You're welcome. Sorry. Thank you for the <laughs> advice. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the company. Slava Ukraini. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, The ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. Do what you can. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food.